Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, today we're debating Flat Earth and we are starting right now. With Maddie's opening statement, Maddie, the floor is all yours. Thank you so much, James. I'm really excited to be back. Um, new topic for me. So hi team, I'm, I'm Maddie. You can find me here on YouTube at Science Side Up. Um, I, uh, I'm a PhD student in meteorology um, at the University of Oklahoma. I have a bachelor's degree from MIT in math and earth atmospheric and planetary sciences. And I have um, a good uh, working experience in the United States Navy as a nuclear instructor at Naval Nuclear Power School. Um, and then after the Navy, I came to the university at now, got my master's degree, and now I'm working on my PhD. So that is sort of my uh, background and credentials. Um, and so what I would like to do with my opening statement um, is I had a chance to take a look at some uh, previous points that Nathan has brought up regarding specifically Earth's atmosphere. And so I thought I would spend my opening statement addressing those points. Um, so uh, first thing, first claim from flat earthers that I have heard is that on a rotating sphere, the top of the atmosphere has to move faster than the air at the surface due to conservation of angular momentum. Um, and then the statement about that is that that's impossible because one, uh, there's the, because there's no force that would cause that motion. Um, so one, uh, that is something that's observed. Um, the winds aloft travel much faster than winds at the surface. The thing which causes the difference in that airspeed is just friction. Um, it's just the contact force, it's friction between different layers of air or between the air and the surface. Um, now, it's also true that the reason that we measure those differences in winds is predominantly because of uh, friction at the surface and not that conservation of angular momentum. Um, so uh, the Earth's atmosphere is much thinner than it is wide. Uh, so its horizontal scale is much larger than its vertical scale. And that's important because that's sort of like if I was going to spin in a circle like that, the tip of my finger is certainly moving faster than my elbow. Um, and that's not sort of, that's not really a big deal, right? Uh, things that rotate, that's, that's all okay. Um, but when we're talking about the Earth's rotation and the difference between the rotation of the, the surface versus the top of the atmosphere, that's kind of like talking about the difference between the speed of, say, the tip of my finger and my first knuckle here. It's just not a huge difference. It's really not a big of a, a, big of a deal. Um, so that's sort of that point. A second point I've often heard is that if the Earth was spinning, the atmosphere would behave like a giant blender, the blender effect, where you would have sort of a whirlpool or something like that form at the center. Um, and that, that's just an issue of geometry. So a blender is approximately a cylinder, right? Um, and uh, Earth is a sphere, right? So 
the geometry of fluid dynamics is very, very different between a sphere and a cylinder. So to get that sort of blender effect, you need um, a sharp top and bottom, um, uh, like a very, very sharp, those would be the boundary conditions of our fluid dynamics problems. Um, so one place you do see that type of blender effect to what you see on Kissy, the, the uh, whirlpool type looking thing is going to be with something like a hurricane or a tornado. Um, and for both of those, uh, those are still compared to the size of the earth. Those are very small features. Um, and they effectively do have a hard boundary at the top and at the bottom. So the ground forms a hard, sharp boundary, and the top, it's the, the troposphere, the, the tropopause specifically, which is the, um, it's very difficult for atmosphere um, air in the lowest layer of the atmosphere, the troposphere, to move into the next layer of the air, the stratosphere, and vice versa. Um, so ex except for extreme cases um, and extreme events, you can consider the tropopause to be a sort of hard cap. So when you have a hurricane or a tornado, you have rising motion up to that hard cap, and then it comes down, and then that whole system is spinning. So you get something that locally does, in fact, look like a cylinder. But if you're talking about Earth's atmosphere as a whole, that geometry there, that is a sphere. Um, and so... Uh, it's not going to have that blender effect because you don't have that flat boundary condition at the top. Um, third point, um, if the earth was spinning, then westward flights would have a thousand mile per hour headwind. North-south flights would have a thousand mile per hour crosswind. And I think it would be then eastward flights would have um, a thousand mile per hour uh, tailwind. That's sort of the, the claim. Um, and that's, that's also not going to be true, right? So Earth, um, excuse me, planes start here on planet Earth, so they're already moving at Earth's rate um, when they take off, right, um, and throughout its flight. So for the same exact reason that it is not more difficult to walk up the aisle of a plane than it is down it, it is not more difficult for a plane to fly east than it is west. This has to do with relative motion. Right? Um, so the plane is already moving at the same speed as the atmosphere, at the same speed of the Earth's rotation. So all movement here on terra firma boils down to relative motion. Maybe an easier way to think about it is if you and your buddy are riding in the car together, you're traveling at 60 miles an hour and you see, I don't know, do people still play slug bug or punch bug, right? You see a Volkswagen bug on the road and you punch your friend. You don't hit them, even if you were to say punch them from behind. So your the direction of your punch, that direction of force is in the same direction that the car is moving. You don't hit them with the force of a moving car. You only hit them with the force of your fist, right? And then um, the last point that I have as, as a note to, to talk about is um, that if the earth is rotating, why do we not observe plumes of say smoke or the plumes from volcanic eruptions uh, to, to, for the earth to rotate under them? Why don't we observe, so that the, why don't we observe what you see say like when you have exhaust from a train or a ship or something like that where uh, the exhaust, the, the train is sort of moving faster than the exhaust, right? So you get this streak behind it. Um, why do we not see that if the earth is rotating? Um, and this, uh, actually, this boils down to uh, Earth real big, right? The Earth is very, very big. Um, 
And so in order for an object on planet Earth to notice that it is rotating, um, that object needs to be about a thousand kilometers across. Um, anything smaller than that, and it's too small to feel Earth's rotation. Um, so a great example of this would be think about you're on the merry-go-round at the park and you spin it really, really fast. If you get on that merry-go-round, you are going to feel the force of the rotation, right? You're going to feel that. That's because you're approximately the same size as the merry-go-round. But if you put like a little ant or a worm or a beetle, um, they would have absolutely no problem walking up, down, and all around that merry-go-round, and they would probably not notice that it was rotating. Another way to think about that is, um, I want you to do a little thought experiment with me. Um, imagine for a moment that you are, uh, you've got your car and you've got a big empty parking lot and you are going to do donuts, right? So you're doing donuts in this parking lot at like 60 miles an hour, right? Um, think about how that would feel about how hard you would have to lean against the force of the, of that car's rotation. So now imagine that you are driving your car at a constant 60 miles an hour, constantly turning, but what the, so the same type of motion as you are with doing the donuts in the parking lot, but instead you are say driving the perimeter of Utah or a circle approximation of the perimeter of Utah right? It's the same thing. You're turning at a rate of 60 miles an hour, right? But you're not going to feel it in nearly the same way as you do when you're doing donuts. And probably, you probably won't even notice that you're turning if you're not paying attention to your compass. And that's because the size of the circle matters, right? So earth, again, earth real big, right? And that, that matters a whole lot when we're talking about planetary scales of motion of the atmosphere, um, I'm concerned I'm getting close to my 10 minute mark. I didn't see when I started, um, but those were my four main points. And so um, I guess all I can concede the rest of my time uh, to Nathan. Thank you very much. We will now kick it over to Nathan Thompson. Want to let you know if it's your first time here at Monterey Debate, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics. And so if this is your first time here, hit that subscribe button as we are thrilled to have many epic upcoming debates in the future, including tomorrow night, we'll have a juicy one. And so with that, we'll kick it over to Nathan Thompson for his 10-minute opening statement as well. Nathan, the floor is all yours. Thanks, James. I really appreciate the platform you, you run and the work you do. Uh, I've been a Patreon of you for a while, so thanks for that. All the debates you do, you put a lot of work, not just into the debate, but behind the scenes. Maddie, thank you for joining me for the debate. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, to the audience, if you don't know who I am, my name's Nathan Thompson. I used to have a YouTube channel called Nathan Thompson, but that got deleted. I used to run the largest flat earth research group in the world, 150,000 members, but that got deleted. So the truth is getting buried, guys. They don't want anyone saying anything against high priest Fauci or the Lord and Savior of COVID, Bill Gates. So just be careful out there. Make sure you test all things yourself and hold fast to that which is true. Um, I'm sorry, Maddie, but your entire opening was not proving Ursa Globe. You're just talking about stuff I say. So I don't, I, I think you have the same problem as a lot of the people who come into this and try and debate flat earth. It's that you haven't tested earth yourself. And that's kind of what I've done full time for the last five years. So it's a big problem. Condemnation before investigation. We're trained to do this in school. The idea of flat earth is taught as a sign that someone's 
you know, abject, ignorant, moron. Um, and the idea of globe is always portrayed as, you know, such a, uh, a savior of science and everything. It, they ingrain that in our minds. And so you can lead globe earthers to flat water, but you cannot make them think critically about the shape of the earth. But once you go flat, you never go back, guys. The truth is incontrovertible. Malice will attack it. Ignorance will try and deride it. But in the end, there it is. And an honest person, when proven to be wrong, must admit he is wrong or he no longer remains to be an honest person. So the scriptures that I read, guys, say test all things and hold fast to that which is true. So if anyone says, Nate thinks it's flat because it's in the Bible. Well, what's also in the Bible is test all things and hold fast to that which is true. Now, one of the things I've been doing on my Clown World Tour journey is getting to the bottom of these 150 proofs or so. I have memorized that the earth, I don't know if you can read those, but I did write a mirror image for you guys on the next page. So you should be able to read those. Leonardo da Vinci did all his journals mirror image. He was arguably one of the most creative people of all time. So I would look into that for sure. But we've got abyssal planes, guys, accelerometer, Aries failure, airplane level flight, Elias effect, astroarchaeology, which I have done on the tour. Every ancient civilization knew that the earth was flat. The Bedford level test with Samuel Robotham. Bar de Crens is the world record photograph. They could see 270 miles. There's 50,000 feet of missing earth, earth curve. I've tested Earth in nine states and two continents. It's flat everywhere, not just that, but the sky is a map and a clock. We have 88 constellations and a northern pole star. They've been using the northern pole star and the 88 constellations to celestial navigate the oceans since all of recorded history. They use astrolabes and sextants, and we're not blasting through space, okay? They say on the mainstream model, Earth's moving half a million miles through the Milky Way. It's moving around the sun 66,600 miles an hour. It's spinning faster than the speed of sound, which is 666 knots per second, by the way. And it's got a circumference of 21,600 nautical miles, which is six times six times 600, by the way, which coincidentally matches up close to the moon's diameter, which is 2160, which is six times six times 60 but it all works guys because a big g which is 6.67 it's a total joke guys i'm sorry that they teach this to children i'm sorry adults propagate these lies it's time for us to wake up remove the scales from our eyes so if an honest man's proven to be wrong he must admit he is wrong or he no longer remains to be an honest man so that was one thing I had to face is, am I going to be an honest man and tell people the truth about Earth? Because I've tested it myself. I know it's not curving in all directions. If Earth's a ball 24,901 miles around, like they say, that would necessitate the Earth curve would be 0.666 feet per mile squared. I didn't make up that number. That's according to Pythagorean theorem, Sagita, and AutoCAD, which is an engineering program they use to make parts. Okay, I didn't make this up. This is the globe Earth map. So it would curve that way in all directions. The problem is, let's say you include the observer height. Well, you include the observer height. Now the horizon would be 1.225 times the square root of the observer's height in feet. So at one foot, the horizon would be 1.225 miles out from the observer. 
The problem with that is we falsified it with the black swan. So the horizon is actually 10 times farther than it should be, which means either Earth's 10 times bigger of a ball than they say it is, which would make the circumference of the Earth the orbital path of the moon, which means, well, basically NASA's lying about everything, or the Earth is flat and the horizon is apparent. It's not a geometric physical edge of a ball that boats disappear behind because we've been doing this for five years. Get a high power zoom camera or a telescope. The boats that disappear bottom first, you can zoom in and still see them. Now, telescopes are, of course, obeying the laws of optics. So all things disappear due to the law of perspective. You can't see things forever. We're not Superman. Okay. So, um, you know, and also to everyone in the chat, you know, that you'll, you'll see people in the chat, guys, calling me Natalie. And they're filled with hatred and they have nothing better to do than spend their Friday night, like listening to me and talking about me. But the scriptures say, blessed are you when men curse you and revile you and speak all kind of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice for great is your reward in heaven. So don't you guys worry. I'm going to throw a party for all you guys later. Thank you so much for the hate. I love it. If anyone else is a hater and they don't have anyone to hate on, feel free to hate on me. Okay. So that's my time. James, my opener. I can discuss uh, Maddie's points back and forth. I think it's going to be real cordial. She seems really cool. So that's what I got for you, James. You got it. We will jump into the open discussion, folks. Want to remind you of a couple of things. In particular, our guests are linked in the description. So if you'd like to hear more from our guests, you certainly can by clicking on those links. And also want to let you know, we are thrilled, you guys, as... If you were listening via our podcast, which we are very excited that we are on podcast now, and so find us on your favorite podcast app. If you're listening to this debate via your favorite podcast app, want to let you know the links of the speakers are in the description there as well. And so you can also access our guest links through the podcast description box. And so with that, thank you very much. We will jump into open conversation, which we will, if it gets rowdy, kick it into two to three minute intervals between the speakers. The floor is all yours. Thanks so much, Maddie and Nathan. I don't think so, it's Nathan, I don't, I don't mind if there's something specific you want to chat about, but I would be really interested in talking with you about hurricanes. Okay, great. Real quick, I just want to say, you talked about two buddies moving in the car at 60 miles an hour. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Okay, do you know that the two guys in the car, if the car is stationary, that they're also not going to feel any movement because it's stationary? Correct. Okay. So, yeah, so movement at a constant velocity, right? So but what we're talking about here is relative motion. So if they're both stationary then they won't feel it, right? If, if, I, if I punch my buddy, then he, they, I'm just, it's just the force of my arm. If we're moving 60 miles an hour and I punch him, it's still just the force of my arm. The, the motion of the car doesn't affect how hard I punch my friend, right? So it doesn't affect the relative motion. But if you're in a convertible and you throw a ball in the air, mm -hmm. does the ball come right back down when you're going 60 miles an hour or does it fly behind you? So that's different and do you know why? How's it different? Is the is the earth a covered closed container or is it like a convertible with no top? Okay. So the reason that the convertible is different than the closed car, and then I will answer your question. The reason that the convertible is different than the closed car is because the wind, right, the air outside is not moving at the same speed as the car. So when you throw a ball, right, 
that ball is now affected by the wind above, right? The sort of the negative motion. Um, so again, that's still relative motion. So if the, if the wind was not blowing, right, but I was driving 60 miles an hour, there is now 60 miles an hour going over my head, right? Okay. Um, so is the earth open? Like, so the earth is not, the, the earth does not have a lid. The atmosphere does not have a lid. So it is in fact open to space at a uh, pressure gradient. So very analogous to my convertible example, not analogous to your car example. Now what you're saying defies the laws of fluid dynamics, okay? Which if law I take, is fluid dynamics? I okay. know a lot of fluid dynamics, so which law? Great, so if you could chill out one second, I'm gonna talk about it. So we go left and right with this paper, okay? Mm -hmm. All the air above, because air is also included in fluid dynamics, is not also moving left to right with this piece of paper. What happens is it rolls over the top, okay? And all the air at the top of the car is pretty much unaffected. Now, what you're saying is Earth's rotating and all the air is moving with it, which is not fluid dynamics, not analogous to everything we see in nature. Can you demonstrate that or not? Um, yes. <laughs> So, uh, so same thing with like the ocean, right? Um, okay, so uh, the difference here, right, is that the atmosphere is, it is part of the earth system, right? And it is uh, held to the earth by gravity, right? Um, so, the atmosphere is held to the earth by gravity. Uh, so then I guess I'm not even sure how is your question, how does the earth's atmosphere move with the earth? That's your question. No. What's your question? I asked if you could demonstrate it. You said yes. And then started talking about magical gravity glue, which never been proven. I want to get to in a minute, whether we're talking about Einsteinian or Newtonian gravity, because neither of those have ever been proven. And they've been falsified by things like terminal velocity. That's so not true, dude. But um, let's put the gravity aside for a second. I'm trying to understand what it is you don't understand about uh, behavior of the Earth's atmosphere, like the boundary between the atmosphere and space. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know where understand. So, okay, I'm trying to get you to demonstrate what you're saying happens. Can you demonstrate all the gas moving with the object spinning the gas, or not? Tornado. Tornado is an object that is spinning gas where everything then also moves together. Okay, Hurricanes but what's the behave the same way. What's the cause of a tornado? Uh, the cause of a tornado is of a, a warm, moist air mass colliding with a cold, wow. uh, dry okay. air mass. So not the Earth rotating. No, different things so, causing the rotation. Okay. So what I asked is you to demonstrate one thing mm -hmm. spinning, causing all the fluid to move with it cohesive as one synchronous body not a tornado you can't use hurricanes oh, okay. so you get a turntable right or like a pottery wheel right okay so you you get it spinning at a constant rate you put a bowl right yeah. um and at first the water might splat and fill that bowl with water put it on the rotating pottery wheel okay at first, some of that water is going to splash out, but as that whole body spins up to speed, it will make a parabolic shape and be constant, the whole thing moving 
at the speed of the table, not at like not at a relative motion. That's not what happens with a blender. Uh, cool. Um, that's absolutely what happens with a rotating table. Okay, but not with a blender. So when a blender spins, okay, mm -hmm. so the earth has topography, it would blend the atmosphere, which is actually what mainstream science teaches, that we have a Coriolis effect. So you mm -hmm. right now saying the atmosphere moves as one cohesive body, you're what's called a Coriolis denier. You are denying mainstream science and what mainstream science says. So do you know that? I'm an atmospheric scientist. I am absolutely, I'm not a Coriolis denier. Coriolis force is absolutely real. And uh, the, as a whole, the atmosphere is moving with planet Earth and then variations are atmospheric circulation and winds. But we're not here to talk about general atmospheric creation driven, driven by, uh, I mean, we can do, do that if you want. If you want to talk about uh, thermally driven atmospheric circulation and, and how the Coriolis force affects that, we absolutely can. But you're completely misunderstanding if you think that what I just said is against mainstream science. No, it is. You just said Coriolis force is real. And then you said the atmosphere moves with the earth. Now, those are actually contradicting terms. So I'm going to need- They are you, not. Please, can you stop interrupting me, please? So I'm going to need you to please define what Coriolis is. Coriolis is a force which acts on a rotating fluid. Um, easiest way to think about it is if you have a bead, you put it on a bike spoke, you spin the bike spoke, that bead is going to move radially outwards from the center of the bike spoke. So what happens for Earth system, right, is here in the northern hemisphere where I live, um, the Coriolis force causes air to move, um, it's to the right of its own motion, right? And this happens, again, something has to be about a thousand kilometers across to notice the Coriolis, to notice Earth's rotation. You also have to be north of about 10 degrees latitude because Coriolis increases uh, from zero at the equator to its maximum at the North Pole um, with the beta plane approximation um, being a maximum at the equator and goes to zero at the pole. But that's important for uh, weather forecasting not so much for what we're talking about. It's kind of in the details. Um, so that is why uh, hurricanes, Northern Hemisphere hurricanes, are always going to rotate in a counterclockwise direction. Southern Hemisphere hurricanes always rotate in a clockwise direction. Tornadoes, however, because they are much smaller, can rotate either clockwise or counterclockwise. Are you done? Answered your question. No, you didn't at all. So you said it's a force that uh affects rotating bodies and then you use the beads please don't interrupt me I, I know you want to talk okay i can see your mouth like start to open and then you close it like just chill you're gonna get to talk when i'm done talking maybe get a pen and then take some notes so that while i'm talking you can respond after that would be the polite thing to do so instead of force that acts on rotating bodies okay cool story but very vague then you went on to describe not Coriolis, but centrifugal force, ladies and gentlemen. This lady who claims to be studying her PhD said the beads, when you spin the wheel, the beads going outward is example of Coriolis. No, it's not at all whatsoever. That's evidence of centrifugal force. You don't even know your forces. I'm sorry, I don't think you're qualified for this debate. How many times have you tested Earth yourself and where and with what equipment? Okay, so first, if I misspoke and did uh, centrifugal, then I, I misspoke. Um, 
No, you still got it wrong. It's centrifugal, not centrifugal, okay? Centrifugal. You're talking about two different forces. You still haven't got it right, okay? Just so you know. We're now going to give Maddie a chance to talk. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, one, Coriolis is not something which affects rotating bodies. It's a force which affects objects that are on rotating bodies. Important difference there. Um, what objects does it affect? Nathan, I do want to give her a chance to respond to all the points that you had made. She'd be so, a little specific. She's this, super vague, James. I'm trying to get her. What objects? So, is right. But there were points where, for example, when she asked you what law of thermodynamics, like, so my idea here is let's just give her a chance to respond to all the points you'd made. I promise we'll give you a chance to ask that question that you have right now. Okay. So, um, as I said, when I was explaining hurricanes versus tornadoes, um, Coriolis is going to affect objects on rotating bodies that are of a similar size. Um, you can do scale analysis there um, to determine what the appropriate size is for the strength of the Coriolis. Um, so of a similar size to the body that is rotating. So that's, again, this idea of uh, what you feel when you're doing donuts versus if you were driving around Utah. Um, so then I would like to get to your second question, which was, what have I personally done uh, to test that the Earth is a globe? Right. Um, so um, I, uh, I have personally shot a laser at the moon. That was very fun. Um, that's not going to work. Uh, one, that wouldn't work at all if we hadn't been to the moon, if the Earth wasn't a globe, if we didn't understand these things because we shot a laser at the moon, hit a mirror that was left there by the Apollo missions, and it bounced back. It was very cool. That was with NASA Goddard. Um, so I've done that. Two, uh, while hurricanes are not my specific field of research, um, hurricanes would not form if the Earth wasn't rotating. Everything that I know about weather doesn't work if the Earth isn't rotating. So if the Earth wasn't rotating, um, the Great Arctic Cyclone of 2012 would not have negatively impacted the September sea ice extent from that year. Um, because we wouldn't have had a TPV, a uh, polar vortex, which are only going to form because of the strength of the Coriolis over the pole. Um, so the, the, my, I guess my short answer um, to your question is, what have I personally done to test that the Earth is round? Literally my entire academic career depends on that being true, or else we couldn't forecast the weather, or else we couldn't... Uh, we tropopause polar vortices wouldn't exist in that. So that's a field of my research. Um, so if, if the earth wasn't rotating, if the earth wasn't a sphere, these things wouldn't be true. So Nathan, I do have a question for you. No, um, I got to respond to all that. You talked for like three minutes. Okay. And then you can ask your question. So write the question down, please. James, can I respond? Uh, I think if you had a question earlier, Nathan, uh, I do want to give Nathan a chance to ask that because I think mm -hmm. he had a clarifying question that I uh, rejected earlier. So I'll at least I you do that, Nathan. I asked how she tested Earth. She said, I pinged the moon, which doesn't prove the floor curves at all. Also, just so you know, you said you hit the mirrors that NASA left there when they were doing donuts in the rover 60 years ago, but can't go back and talk to the president with a turn dial telephone. What a joke. But the problem with that is they pinged the moon in the early 60s before the mirror was up there. Did you know that? I, I, I do know that what we measured okay. specifically was the time it took to get there and come back. 
Um, so you can't get that reflection, the precision without a mirror. So you can hit the moon with a laser without a mirror. You can't get a signal back without a mirror. Yeah, but you assume the medium that is traveling through, you don't know the speed of light and you don't know the medium, medium that is traveling through either. You assume it. I don't, you want to go with, I don't know the speed of light. Yeah, well, it's a rate of induction. There is no speed of light. It's assumed. You don't have a medium in light, as powerful as the vacuum of space to test light and confirm. So it's all based on assumptions. Now, on top of that, just that was your first point. Then you said your second testing Earth and proving it's a globe was everything you know about hurricanes wouldn't work on a flat Earth. Now, I have to ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you know what an electromagnetic wake is? And if you do, what is it? An electromagnetic wake. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you explain what that is. So you don't know what it is. So, of course, you don't understand how hurricanes. It's not in your textbook. They're not teaching you how they actually work. So, of course, you're going to say, well, I don't have to test Earth. They just ping time the moon. And then I know a lot about weather because I read a lot of books. But you don't even know what an electromagnetic wake is, Maddie. So why don't you tell me what an electromagnetic wake is? What? Okay, why don't we talk later? Because I got a lot of other things to cover. Like, for example, you said it has to be true or we couldn't couldn't forecast. Do you, do you know the forecast is wrong like 50% of the time? I travel around full time. Do you have some data for that? I travel around full-time looking at the forecast and trust me, they're not always right. Are you going to say they're always right with the forecast? I'm not going to say they're always right. I'm saying we Okay, great. Right. So they're wrong. So basically you're saying if we didn't know the earth was a globe, we wouldn't be able to get the forecast wrong sometimes. Like that's your argument. This is a joke guys. Maddie, where have you tested earth and found it curving in all directions? So I'm going to go back to the point you said earlier, uh, which was you you asked me, did I know that the forecasts are wrong? So um, the let's take hurricane trajectories. That's a good one. Uh, we uh, by we I mean the National Weather Service forecasts the location of a hurricane three to five days out with about ninety percent accuracy. So do you want to go with that? That's incorrect. If we look at ninety percent accuracy, so you're saying that they're wrong sometimes. Everything wow. is wrong. Wow, this sometimes. completely it's ruins your whole argument. Ninety percent of the time, which is okay, Maddie. I'm hold on, I, hold on. I do, I do want to, I do want to. Nathan, hold on one second. I, if you do ask her a question, uh, in terms of like, I didn't ask whether her or not question. they're wrong. She's talking to herself. No, you did ask something to the effect of so they are wrong sometimes. I do want to yeah. give her a chance to respond. And to they that. are wrong. She just said they are. Yeah, she conceded ten percent of the time, and so you had brought up that they are wrong that ten percent of the time as a response to her pointing out the 90%. And so I want to give her a chance to respond to that. Um, and if you look overall at just general weather forecasting, numerical weather models have an accuracy of, I think it's a, uh, it's in the 70s for a seven day forecast. Um, if you look at how that's improved over the last few decades. Um, that's, so a great example would be the recent snowfall in Texas that was forecasted uh, seven days out um, that the snowfall was going to happen. So. Uh, Everything has errors, right? Everything has errors. Nothing is perfect, especially when we're predicting the future, right? Um, but weather forecasting is incredibly good. And it wouldn't be if the Earth wasn't a rotating sphere. Everything has errors. What about the eclipses? Can we predict the eclipses or no? Can we? So forecasting eclipses is not my field. Um, but knowing when a lunar eclipse is going to happen, we do know that long time in advance. Oh, okay. But are they wrong or are they right? You just said you, said you can't predict everything perfectly. But are if they you wrong? Because right? they, they actually used the Soros cycle, which was 
way predates the globe model. Are you familiar with the Soros cycle? If you want to talk about the differences in orbital mechanics versus fluid mechanics and why those are fundamentally different, we totally can. Why can't you just um, answer a question? I asked you if you knew what the Soros cycle is. The answer is yes. Let's give her a chance. Like what Nathan, what you can do is, Nathan, Nathan, what I'm okay with is after she finished, if you want to say that and you want to say, hey, I did ask a question earlier and you still haven't answered it. You only said this. That's okay. But I do want to give her a chance to respond because there, there is some interrupting here. So again, if you want to talk about the difference between forecasting an eclipse versus forecasting the weather, I'm all to do that, but those are very different in terms of your exact question of what a Soro cycle is. I don't know that term off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's how we predict eclipses and they are accurate all the time, just so you know. Like they've never predicted eclipse and then had them be wrong when the prediction is, just so you know. Now I have a question, are sun rays parallel or are they um, not parallel? Parallel to what surface? Parallel to each other. Are sun rays parallel to each other? Do they come down? Sun at rays. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, I I, I heard rise. Um, it's all good. Are sun um, rays parallel? So, so sun rays are going to the rays of the sun are they're they're propagating radially outward. Um, so very locally, they will appear like for what you and I can see, they will look parallel, but they're not strictly parallel. So they are parallel, but they're not parallel. What I said was locally, they're going to appear to be straight. But if we think about this from the size of the earth, um, sun rays are emitted radially outwards from the sun constantly. So there is an angle. Do you know what crepuscular rays are? Crepuscular rays, not off the top of my head. What are crepuscular rays? Those are the rays that we get from the sun. They're not parallel. They're all converging to one point. You just said they were parallel locally, and that's what we observe, but it's not what we observe. We observe crepuscular rays. Do you know how you create crepuscular rays or how duplicate do you... them? No. There's three constituent parts you need. Okay. You need a localized light source. You need obstruction, such as the clouds, and you would need some sort of particulates in the air, like water vapor, aqueous particles, dust, that sort of thing. So... You can't duplicate crepuscular rays with a sun that's 93 million miles bigger than the Earth, 93 million miles away and bigger than the Earth, just so you know. You need a small localized light. Okay. I would really, I mean, if you, I'd really like to focus on like things that are my field, right? Um, so I'd like to stick to the atmosphere. If you want to talk- This is all my field. Okay, the atmosphere. Can you have gas pressure without a container? Yes. Can you demonstrate that? Planet Earth. That's the thing you're trying to prove. So you're using circular logic. It's a fallacy. Do you know what circular logic is? I do know what circular logic is. Okay, but the so point, other than what you believe Earth is, can you demonstrate gas pressure? I know what circular it? logic is, but the point is that planetary scale processes are only going to happen on a planetary scale. So and it only so happens can, in Earth. So I can point to Jupiter. I can point to Venus. I can point to Earth, right? And we can chat about the weight of the air above us, right? Um, but so I, I actually got a question for you. So if well, 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 we're just, we're, we can't just breeze well, by that, okay? Can you it's demonstrate? Related, it's fair, Nathan. It's related it is fair that to she gets to ask pressure. you questions as well, right? It's related oh, to atmosphere pressure. Me a question. Is it related to gas pressure not requiring the container? We can or come you back just, to this. Can, right, we're still ahead. talking about that. Okay. 
So if we have gas in a pressurized container, right? Talk to me about the density of the gas throughout that container. Is it constant? Does it change? Yeah, but it's in a container. Without the container, you wouldn't have any pressure. But what about the density of the gas? Is yeah, it a constant? You're, you're, it's not analogous to your earth you believe in because you're using a container. You realize that, right? Yeah, I got it. Okay, but so my question gas is, pressure requires a container. My question is, is the density of the gas in that closed container a constant? Well, that depends. Is it, it, it not if it's inhomogeneous and anisotropic, such as like introducing a heat source? Like you do realize we have a sun and a moon above our heads, right? It, it, okay, so if the yes. sun's heating up the earth and then the hot air rises and then the cold air moves in, so it's constantly mixing around all the time, mm -hmm. yes, you would okay. have what's called so, a... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be talking while you were interrupting me. Go ahead. So great. Den temperature, um, density is affected by temperature. Excellent. Um, so is the earth, um, is our atmosphere heated from the top or from the bottom? Sun, moon. The top or the bottom? I don't know. I don't know for sure. I, I don't know. I, have a, I make assumptions of what the sun is. I have a theory that the sun might actually be cold and that the heat comes from the earth. Mm -hmm. So I, that's one of my theories. Now, they actually tell us in mainstream science that the earth is hotter than the surface of the sun. Now they want you to believe what's under your floor is hotter than the surface of the sun. And every night you go to bed and wake up, put your shoes on, and that heat doesn't radiate outwards, violating the second law of thermodynamics. Because if you put your hand on a hot stove, it will burn you 100 out of 100 times. If you put gas in a vacuum, the gas will disperse omnidirectionally in all directions every single time. Now this person I'm debating will tell you, yeah, that's true, except with planets. Except if you talk about Jupiter, because that's definitely a ball of space in a vacuum. No, it's not. It's a firmament light source. So it's locked in the firmament. The word planet means wandering stars. All the stars are fixed and rotating. The planets move independently of the rotating star plane. And Maddie, I mean, you really haven't even tested Earth. I asked, when you've tested Earth and proven its globe, you said ping times. You ping the moon, which they did prior to the mirrors. And then you said everything you know about hurricanes. I mean, I'm sorry, but that is not testing Earth. You are not a real researcher. You're a bookworm. Okay, so we were talking about whether the Earth was heated, that the atmosphere is heated. It, it, it is true. So the sun comes in and it comes through the atmosphere, heats the Earth, and then the Earth heats the lower, lowest layer of the atmosphere. No, that's um, not what we were talking about. I was talking about how space is fake, gas pressures require a container, you're going on and on about the differences of gas pressure inside of a container. So you pretty much just like whistle past the graveyard because I destroyed your entire model. And now you're asking me how it works in a container. I'm not asking how it works in a container. What I'm trying to get at, Nathan, what I'm trying to get at here is uh, that the density of our atmosphere is greatest at the surface overall and it decreases as you go up through the atmosphere, right? Wow. Do you agree with that? Wow, we have a density gradient. Are you serious? So we have gas pressure around us that we breathe. Didn't you know the necessary antecedent for gas pressure is a closed container? Okay, the other thing that you said, um, the other thing that you said is that warmer air leads to lower density, right? I didn't say that. Okay. You said that 
It doesn't really Hold relate on. to the shape let, of the earth. Nathan, we do have to yes. let Maddie finish. doesn't relate to the shape of the earth. It has nothing to it's, do with the shape listen, of the earth. Listen, Nathan, we do have to let Maddie have, have no more argument. than just a few words. Okay, go ahead, Maddie. Continue on. This is good. Okay. Not. So what I'm trying to talk about is, so you said, I asked you about the, the density. If we have something in a closed container, that the way to affect the density of the gas in that closed container is by increasing the temperature. So where we have the warmest temperature, we're going to have the lowest density. Um, that's uh, uh, ideal gas law, right? But here on planet Earth, we have the warmest temperatures of the surface, which is also where we have the highest density of air. Um, so in this example, right, where the only thing, um, in your view, the only thing that keeps Earth's air down, that keeps us uh, having air pressure, is um, some sort of lid, how do you get that density gradient that we observe? That's my Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, neon. So they all have different anatomical weights. So mm -hmm. obviously they separate out based on their density to one another. However... So that's not what's observed because if you measure the relative concentration of say nitrogen and oxygen here. I already told you it's all getting mixed Nathan, up. It's I told you, you have to let, Nathan, you do have her. to let her finish. I already told after her it's she, all getting mixed listen, up. Nathan, I already told her why. I told her why too. Do, and then she went spiraling off. Nathan, this reminds me of November. So what we can do is if you want afterwards, you can definitely say, hey, I've already addressed that point and you're repeating the same point, but you have to let people finish Nathan. So what you said is that the density is caused by like different gases separating out. But if we look, if we measure the relative concentration, um, the partial pressures of like nitrogen and oxygen and water vapor, it's the same relative concentrations here as it is on the top of Mount Everest. So it's, it's the same mixture, but temperature is different and we have the highest density here at the surface. So how does that happen? Okay, what you're not understanding is that you haven't proven Earth curve, you haven't proven Earth rotates, you haven't proven space is real because it violates the second law of thermodynamics, and now you're asking me, when you go to the top of Mount Everest, the air is really similar to the air on the ground. Okay, Maddie, listen, let's be really clear. If we're not gonna talk about Earth curving, Earth rotating, or your fake fairy tale space, okay, and how it violates the second law of thermodynamics, I'm not here to have a conversation about air on Everest that you have never tested and I have never tested. You've never tested it. You just read it in a textbook somewhere, believe that crap, and now you're spewing it like it's true on modern day debate. Everything I talk about, star trails, cold moonlight, long distance side observations, I've tested. They pinged the moon before the mirrors were up there. So whatever you did wasn't proof of anything. And then you went on to say, I understand hurricanes. And you don't even know what electromagnetic wakes are. So we're going to get still, right back to it. We're going to get right back to it. Does the earth rotate under objects that you throw in the air? Yes or no? Not noticeably. So no, we don't notice earth rotate under objects. Did you know Neil deGrasse Tyson said on his Twitter, the earth rotated under a field goal during the Super Bowl? Did you know that? So according to Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's the most famous PhD astrophysicist in the world, you're over here saying he's wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I think you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. You've got to go test Earth because there is no Coriolis. You know there's no Coriolis. You know Earth doesn't rotate under objects that are thrown in the air. You just admitted it. You said, no, we don't observe 
earth rotating under objects. You are a Coriolis denier, congratulations, me too. I don't think earth has a Coriolis. We can be Coriolis deniers together. Okay. Okay, so, so, so let's move on to earth curve. Do you have any I'm gonna to address your points. Those points. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna address your points. So one, you made a claim that I haven't tested things on Mount Everest. Um, I've, I've looked at the weather balloon data actively. Uh, so uh, without actually oh. physically going to Everest, weather balloon data is the closest you can get. Well, someone gave you weather balloon data and you read it and believed it. And you think that's science? You think that's being a real scientist? You think that's testing Earth yourself, reading data someone else collected? How do you know they gave you the right data? So the second thing, the second point you made. Um, <laughs> this is a joke. The joke. second point you made was that I said that the Earth doesn't rotate under objects when you throw it up. What I very specifically said was not noticeably, um, because for it to be noticeable, as I said, even in my opening statement, the object needs to be about a thousand kilometers across, or you got to wait a long time, um, probably about half a day. I don't have time to wait for that. I'm not strong enough to throw something a thousand kilometers across up in the air, and mm -hmm. I'm not strong enough to throw something up in the air long enough that the Earth can noticeably rotate underneath that. So do you know how big a ring laser gyro is? A ring laser gyro. So help me out, man. Which one are you talking about? Give me some specs. Okay, are any ring laser gyros in the world 100 kilometers wide? 1,000 kilometers? Is, is oh, sure, 1,000. I was going to go with 100. Are any of them 10 kilometers wide? Are any of them 1 We got to give Maddie more than just one or two words. That way we have roughly the same amount of time being used by each of you. So I also said that it has to be very big or you have to wait a long time. So a laser gyroscope can absolutely measure Earth's rotation. The same thing the simple pendulum experiment can measure Earth's rotation, right? Okay, um, how long, how you long, have to wait. How long do you have to wait for Earth to rotate under you? I mean, a while, order of magnitude hours. Hours? Great. So when a hot air balloon goes up for a few hours, does the Earth rotate under the hot air balloon? Yes. There are also the local forces of winds, which are going to be more noticeable. Two Wait, things so, happen at the same so your time. argument, Nathan, just to be sure, I, I do want to give Maddie enough time to answer these questions. It's oftentimes it's not as simple as like a yes or no. We got to give Maddie a shot to give more than just one or several no, words. It is that simple. It's not, dude. It's really not. Yeah, it is. Hot air balloon goes up. Yeah. Earth is rotating under it and 50 knot winds are hitting it. Which do you think is going to be more noticeable? What if there's no wind? Does the Earth rotate under the hot air balloon or not? In a fictional scenario where there is absolutely no atmospheric motion, yes. There's no wind outside right now. What are you talking about? You honestly believe that there's there's always wind at all times? Yes. Okay. So in a fictional scenario with no wind or very low wind, does the Earth move under a hot air balloon, Maddie? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, it does. That's interesting because every hot air balloon I've observed or time lapses of hot air balloons I've observed, the earth is not rotating under the hot air balloon. Do you know why winds aloft are much stronger than surface winds? So you're going back to wind. 
we're it, this is we have not stopped talking about wind. No, no, I said in a fictional scenario with no wind, and then you went back to talking about wind. How pathetic! And, I, and then so you said no we never everybody. observed a hot air balloon to be have the Earth rotate underneath it. To get to that scenario, dude, we had to assume no wind, right? There is never no wind aloft. There is never no wind. Okay. What about an insect that hovers three inches off the ground inside of a house with no wind? Does the earth rotate under a bumblebee inside of a house with no wind? The, uh, 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 That's such a nonsensical question. She can't even respond. She didn't even answer the question. The reason so that's a nonsensical do. question. Oh, so an insect inside of a house. I just told you we're going to give her a chance to respond. The reason that's a nonsensical question is because um, in this scenario, right, what you need is for, say, the bee to hover, right, and that's not hover in the same spot relative to the floor, that's in the same spot relative, like, to his relative position on Earth, right? So he has to hover here. Bees can't do that, right? Neither can hummingbirds, not for long enough for the Earth's rotation to sort of, for you to notice, and what you would notice would be very small. So what you can do is hang a pendulum, which will be still and will hover. And that you can absolutely trace out the Earth's rotation. It's, it's, a, it's an elementary school science experiment. But you, if you want an animal to do it, that's nonsensical. You're muted, dude. What about a drone? Would the Earth rotate under a drone if you had it flying in the air for a few hours? It's going to, once again, it's going to be affected by winds, but yes. What if it's in a building? Does the earth rotate under a drone in a building? Yes, you're not going to notice it, though. Oh, I yes, but you won't notice it. Club. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Yes, it will happen, but you won't notice it. So it's happening, but you just can't tell it's happening. Make sense? Again, replace the drone with a pendulum, and then you'll be able to see. No, it's not just a pendulum, okay? If you can't just have one thing Earth rotates under that you keep going back to, going back to. And if the Earth doesn't rotate under everything, it doesn't rotate under a pendulum. You got it? Do you know why the pendulum is special? Like, why, why do we use a pendulum and not a drone to do this experiment? Why do we do that? It's not an experiment. Sure it is. Why would no, we do it's not. That? Experiments start with an observation in nature. So it's not an experiment. You don't have pendulums in nature. You're just randomly coming across. You know that, right? Is your question, do I know that we do not come across pendulums hanging in nature? Or is your question, do I know what an experiment does? Does an experiment require a naturally occurring phenomenon? No. No? Okay, what's the first step of an, of an experiment? Uh, the first step of an experiment... Um, would be to, you have a hypothesis and you devise a way to test your hypothesis. You just make up hypotheses and then you do experiments. That's what you do. Did you know the yep, first step? that's what I do all day, every day. Okay, did you know the first step of a real experiment is actually make an observation? Define observation. Observing something in nature, not make a hypothesis in your mind and conjure up things in your mind. Right. You don't even know what the scientific method is, Maddie. I observe that all, 
I observed that all hurricanes in the northern hemisphere rotate counterclockwise. Yeah, because you don't even know what an electromagnetic wake is. And then you ask what me to tell you what it is. Take? Can you explain You're asking me? I'm not, I'm not your professor, okay? I'm here to debate you. You were supposed to submit evidence Ursa's spinning tilted globe, and I was supposed to show you, no, it's wrong. So far, you have not presented any evidence of Earth curve. You've contradicted yourself over and over on Earth rotation. And then you talk about gas requiring a container when that destroys your entire heliocentric model. So I never Maddie, this is bad. You go Hold to on, question Nathan, I do. I want to give Nat, uh, Maddie a chance to respond to those points. And uh, let's see. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're getting close to it. But I do want to give yeah. uh, Maddie a chance to respond. Right. And mm-hmm. I do also want to give Maddie a chance. If you have any questions, Maddie, mm-hmm. I want to give you a chance to ask those as well. Okay, so few things you said I've claimed that I have not. So I just want to make sure that that's clear. I, you do not need, you do not need a lid for the Earth to have atmospheric pressure, right? We have atmospheric pressure and we have the density gradient that we observe because of uh, the fall off by one over distance squared of gravity, right? So gravity is stronger at the surface. We hold more things weakens as you go away, density decreases. It's a very simple relationship. Um, And that force of gravity is in fact much stronger than the density gradient you get from heating. Two, you said, I don't know what the scientific method is, or I don't know a lot of these other things. Um, I have a a deeper understanding of the scientific method than what's taught in fourth grade, right? So you can quote a textbook at me. You can quote what we teach children about how science works, and that is all well and good. Um, but you're definitely misrepresenting um, points, and you're misrepresenting how the scientific method works. Two, all of the points I've brought up um, regarding behavior of Earth's atmosphere, um, Coriolis, which absolutely is a real thing, um, and behavior of hurricanes, behavior of density, um, behavior of atmospheric density um, and atmospheric pressure and things and, and concentrations. These are all things that are perfectly and easily explained. These observations, right, make perfect sense with a, a globe Earth held together by gravity where the atmosphere is held down by gravity. And they don't make sense, to my knowledge, of, what, of how a flat Earth would work. So if you can't demonstrate how a flat Earth would explain observed phenomena, differences in density gradients, atmospheric phenomena, things like that, then there's no value to your model, right? So if it can't make predictive power, which flow model can, again, that's how weather forecasts work, um, and lots of other things. I'm just most familiar with weather. Um, so I think uh, that's, that's going to be my point. If you haven't been able to address any of the issues I've brought up with something flat earth would need to be able to explain if it were true, right? Um, You haven't been able to do that. And in every instance, you've responded not so much to my points, but by changing the topic and by becoming incredulous, which I think is a good debate tactic, but it's not the best for like honest conversation. Um, and so that I'm, I'm okay to go into, um, to go into question time and, and less James, uh, if, unless Nathan would like to respond. Sounds like we're ready to go into question time. Want to let you know, folks, 
We appreciate you hanging here, whether or not you are Flat Earth, Globe Earth, you name it, and want to let you know our guests are linked in the description. If you want to hear more, and that includes if you are listening to us via podcast, want to let you know our guest links are in the description of the podcast as well. We really do appreciate you hanging out with us, like I said, no matter what walk of life you are from. And with that, we will be going into the Q&A. And so, thanks so much. This first question, let me just... Coming in from... Hey, James. Yeah. We're going to skip all the rude questions because i got better things to do, okay? Yeah, we do want to remind you out there, folks, that we would like to ask you to attack the arguments rather than the people, and that includes Maddie as well and even Nathan. So <laughs> basically, um, like, what kidding, Nathan. We are going to jump into this with our first question, this one coming in from, do appreciate it. Oh, gosh, sorry, guys. I'm having trouble. I'm having tech. I'm, I've got boomer tech problems over here. Two seconds. Thanks for your question. Kango24 says, lights in the sky change color sometimes, quote unquote, Nathan Thompson, science communicator. Science, is this one of your claims, Nathan, that lights in the sky change color sometimes? And in particular, can you remind me what the context of this is? Yeah, because Globers say, well, how does flat Earth explain all lunar eclipse? Well, guys, your heliocentric high priest call it the impossible eclipse. They have a selenelion eclipse where the lunar eclipse is observed to a single observer above the horizon while the sun is still a, uh, can be seen to the single observer. They call it the impossible eclipse. So really, guys, how do lunar eclipses work on the globe model? So I just say, yeah, lights in the sky, they change color sometimes. Big deal. The floor is flat. You can test it. So quit asking us how the sky works when the floor is flat. You can test it. Gotcha. This one. Coming in from Sig Sigma Any says, Nathan, why is the arc to chord correction required to yield an accurate closed planar traverse from precise spatial measurements? Why do the basic computations otherwise fail without it? Yeah, you sound smart to dumb people, but the thing is they've been celestial navigating with the sky for thousands of years. That's how they do it. Unless they're using GPS, which is ground positioning system, they've got 6 million towers, 600,000 in the U.S., then they use temporary helium balloons, and they also use modified U-2 spy planes and fiber optic submarine communication cables to move around all the data. Gotcha. Robert Greenlee says, why is Nathan afraid to debate me as I'm an actual pilot? And they said, I've offered many times to debate him, but he asked for, let's see, an honorarium. Nathan, do you want to debate Robert Greenlee? I don't debate every loser who has a job who emails right. me on your time. To be week. fair, we uh, the same thing. We want to ask same thing as we have asked the guests to not attack the person. We want to ask. Uh, I think we're starting to. We're there's a lot of rules in flux right now in terms of we're thinking about changing to you could say straighten things up. And so I uh, want to let you know about that. Flat Earth News says here to support Nathan. You got a fan out there, Nathan. And Flat Earth News says, does Maddie plan on proving any experiment or demonstration for what goes on at the top of the atmosphere, or is she just going to claim this? 
Um, I guess that's for me. Um, a great, so for what goes on, uh, sorry, I'm not quite sure what the question is specifically asking. You bet. I can read um, it again. I think that my yeah. connection was ebbing and flowing there. So they had asked, Flat Earth News says, does Maddie plan on proving any experiment or demonstration for what goes on at the top of the atmosphere, or is she just going to claim regarding what's going on at the top of the atmosphere? I think that is referring to that there is not like a, a, a top, right? Um, to the atmosphere. Um, so, I mean, I can, I can demonstrate that with little math and some chalkboard and a chalkboard. Um, it, it's, it's the one over distance squared law of, of gravity is the, is my short answer to that because we're into question time. Gotcha. And Isaiah 4022 says, Maddie, where's the scientific experiment that a vacuum can exist next to a pressurized atmosphere without a solid physical barrier separating them? Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is really just, um, this is just a density gradient, right? So um, one, um, when, even when we're talking about vacuum, like in our solar system, there's still some particles and atoms floating around. Um so what we have, there's no like solid boundary between where our atmosphere ends and where space begins. It's very much a gradient. Um, the overwhelming majority of the mass of the atmosphere is down here in the trop troposphere where we live and breathe. Um, so it's, think of it very much as we go from, uh, it just sort of, it decreases to zero, right? It's, it's a nice, happy, gentle transitional gradient um, from, here on Earth's surface, where we have like a thousand hectopascal pressure, um, to you know approximately zero, um, where where it becomes space. Uh, so yeah, it's just the it's just the density gradient, and again, it's the one over distance squared law for gravity. Gotcha. And thanks very much for your question from Kango24. Says Nathan, sometimes your explanations are a bit technical. Could you please put your answer for lunar eclipses, which was, quote, lights in the sky change color sometimes, into layman terms for me? Yeah, they've been predicting them using the Soros cycle for a thousand years. NASA even admits they use the Soros cycle on their website. So there you go. That's how they predict eclipses. It's actually that, light yeah. polarization, Bell's theorem. Look up Bell's theorem. You had a third polarization, and it gets brighter, which is weird because when you polarize the object at first, it gets darker. So check it out. Pretty interesting. Also, eclipses are glowing red, glowing red and purple, not black. Shadows are black, guys. The moon's light is cold. It's not reflecting sunlight. You can test it with a $30 laser thermometer. Super simple. Super gotcha. simple. Next up, this one coming in from Chris Gammon says, for both speakers, if I had a jet with super speed and endless fuel and I pointed it at the sunset and flew directly towards it, if I could go fast enough, I wouldn't see the sunset, right? proves globe no no so that, yeah that's true <laughs> well the faa trains pilots on the target generation facility so every airplane pilot is trained to fly on a flat non-rotating earth and in the software they actually negate a gravity vector so yeah you'd cruise it to cruising altitude you'd fly level chase the sun and you actually can do that in a blackbird or some of the faster planes because they go faster than the speed the sun travels or in your guys' religion, how fast a floor is moving a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Isaiah 4022 says, Maddie, why doesn't the merry-go-round suck the ant to the center of the mass? <laughs> Good yeah. Point. 
No, it's it's uh, the same scale analysis. So the the ant is small enough that it's not really affected by the rotation. Gotcha. Thanks very much. And then thanks very much for your question. This one coming in from Jordan Smith it says, "How is Austin?" Let's see. Um, next up, I don't want to get involved in that. Next up, Chris Gammon says, "Let's see. Never debate and drive, Nathan." And then next up, there's a joke. <laughs> Just relax. Okay. King 024 says, Nathan, you have been proven to be wrong dozens of times, but you still make the same arguments. And uh, Nathan, agree or disagree? No, I debunked the globe like seven times on this Clown World Tour, guys. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. No one's proved me wrong. Definitely not Maddie, who says she proved Earth's curve with ping times from the moon. Next up, we're well. We got to give Maddie a chance to respond since you're gonna you're bringing yeah. Maddie up. We're giving me a break. Do you have a response, Maddie? Nope. Gotcha. Sleepy Dan, thanks for your question. Says once you go first, uh, <laughs> once you go flat, you never go back. "Quote unquote" is easily proven false, like all flat Earth claims. There are many ex flat Earthers, like seek truth, speak truth. Nathan. Yeah, no, no such thing. I mean, whatever. Um, nobody goes back to believing in Santa Claus. Nobody goes back to believing cartoon tilted Earths are real because a bunch of liars on wires and fools in pools told us that is true. Like, give me a break, dude. Next up, question the answers. Says the lines are being drawn. Every knee shall bow. Steadfast, beloved. The truth defends itself. All for God's glory. Those who seek truth find it simple. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, I do want to, I can't remember who brought it up um, because he had asked a lot of questions before, but well, let me just jump. Amy Newman, thanks for your super chat side. After show at my channel for Nathan, can't someone just break drone laws or buy a rocket in order to collect evidence for the earth not being round? And by the way, Amy has an after show that is linked in the description and that's right next to our guest links. So I encourage you to check that out. Go ahead, Nathan. Why are uh, for Nathan? Can't someone just break drone laws or buy a rocket to collect evidence for the Earth not being round? Rocket launches are parabolic. All drone footage show a flat, level horizon, and that's a Snoop Dogg fallacy where you think you got to get high and go up there to prove where you live. We walk around on the floor all day long. You don't need to get high to prove the Earth is not a globe because if it's a globe, it would curve in all directions. According to the dimensions they gave us, 0.666 feet per mile squared in all directions. I mean, have you guys heard this a million times yet? What are we doing? What are we doing right now? Gotcha. This Thanks for so your question. Cool. This one coming in from Magellan says, all of these things have been explained. Let's see. Uh, to Nathan, thousands of times. <laughs> he just refuses to engage. Nathan, agree or disagree? Cool story. Next up, Flat Earth News says Globe Myth believers have the best stories. Okay, well, uh, let's see. Tim Pryor says historian Jeffrey Russell claims with extraordinarily few exceptions, no educated person in the history of Western civilization from the 3rd century B.C. onward believed that the Earth was flat. Nathan, you are wrong again. B word, believe, believe. He thinks the floor is a belief. Like you have to believe what the floor is. How stupid is that? <laughs> wow. Kango 24 says, Nathan, you literally know nothing about fluid dynamics. Please stop saying fluid dynamics. Oh, and gravitational waves have been detected by 
L-I-G-O. LIGOS is just a giant SAGMAC interferometer. SAGMAC himself, who invented the technology, said it just detects the rotating ether. So gotcha. not gravitational waves, the ether. Next up, thanks, Brian Cornell, for your questions that our supposed orbit around the sound, um, around the sound, is an elliptical orbit. An elliptical orbit would mean there is no acceleration. How do we not feel this? That's for Maddie. I can read that again, Maddie. Cause yeah, I'm, one more time. It's a mouthful. They said yeah. our supposed orbit around the sun is mm -hmm. an elliptical orbit. An elliptical orbit would mean there is an acceleration, like as it orbits. How oh, do we not feel this acceleration? Okay. Um, I mean, that w it's the same that it would be if it was circular, right? There is like, uh, so it's because it's, um, so we're moving, say, this way, and then our orbit, so the tug of the sun's gravity pulls us this way. Uh, so it's directional acceleration, right? Um, even if we're moving at a constant, relatively constant rate, right? Uh, the the direction changes, so you get acceleration because of that, which is why he's bringing that up. Um, and that happens in an ellipse or a circle. Gotcha. Uh, so why do we not feel that? Um, honestly, it's just because it's minuscule. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming from Kango Two Forces, Nathan. How, after all of these debates, do you not know what the Coriolis force is? I know exactly what it is. Neil Tyson says it's Earth rotating under a field goal, but she just said Earth doesn't rotate under things. Well, it does, but we just can't observe it. It's too minuscule. That's her answer for everything. It was literally her answer 10 seconds ago. <laughs> like, wow. Imagine, like, thinking all this stuff's happening, but you can't see it, can't feel it, can't measure it, don't notice it. That's ridiculous. I want to give Maddie a chance to respond Hi. since you invoked her name. You, su um, you summoned Maddie. Go ahead, Maddie. So we absolutely can observe and measure those things if we're being conscious and thinking about what we choose to measure. Um, uh, the northward extent of the Hadley cell is a great, great proof of Coriolis. Um, and, and the fact that we have uh, evidence of that is deserts surrounding the Earth at between 20 and 30 degrees north. There's a constant desert band there. That's the descending leg of the Hadley cell. The Hadley cell only stretches that far north because of the Coriolis. Um, also, again, hurricane, uh, direction of rotation. Those two things are great things we can point to that demonstrate Coriolis, that even demonstrate the rotating Earth. You just have to know what to look for. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. Flat Earth News says, atmosphere, let's see, uh, they said, Maddie, with no experiment mm -hmm. or demonstration, question mark, and uh, so I think they're asking for like personal experiments that you personally have done. Um, sure. Yeah. So a uh, field weather field campaign um, uh, spent two weeks, a couple summers ago, chasing tornadoes, launching weather balloons, um, radar, all that fun stuff. Uh, so when I was specifically talking about um, uh, density and of the atmosphere and winds, I mentioned weather balloons. So those are absolutely things I have launched myself. Um, and, and that's absolutely data that you, that you get. Um, so that's, that's going to be my short answer to that. Thank you very much. And, um, uh, let's see F 
YouTube says, if heaven is going to be full of people like Nathan, let's see. All right. Uh, then I don't want to be there. But Magellan says, Maddie, you are doing awesome. Have patience. Never has the difference between real and perceived intelligence been so massive in one human being. Next up, <laughs> you called Maddie a bookworm, Nathan. To be fair, you can take a little poop being thrown at you. Question the answer says, Maddie, why doesn't GPS work in the southern hemisphere? Doesn't GPS work in the southern hemisphere? Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm confused by the question. Um, GPS me... works just fine in the southern hemisphere. Maddie, why doesn't GPS work in the southern hemisphere? Yeah, so what it says, I don't understand it myself, but we'll go to the next one. And Kango24. Okay. Go ahead. I I was just going to say, I can can point to some great examples. Um, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep pointing to weather stations, but the, you can go to the university of Wyoming's website. They've got Ray Winsond, uh, the, the data that is free and available to the public. Anybody can look at it. Um, and that should include ones from Antarctic stations. And those are tracked with GPS um, as they go uh, up into the, so you, you track their lat long position with GPS. Um, gotcha. And those are launched year round. And again, that information is free and available to the public. Appreciate it. And this one coming in from, let's see, Dave Dahlia Fior says, James, we love you even on a flat earth. Thank you. That's kind of you. And Kango, I'm confused by it, but Kango24 says, Nathan says, moderator, moderator, please, moderator. Okay, next up. Nathan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Next, thy messenger says, Maddie, how can you believe NASA and their and their goofy astronauts caught on wire harnesses? Are you a NASA shill like fight the flat Earth? So I'm not a NASA shill, um, <laughs> certainly not. I, I, I mean, full disclosure, I did briefly work for NASA um, when I was an undergrad, my research, I worked for them. I got to, uh, I measured the moon. It was very, very fun. I measured craters on the moon. Um, uh, na- I know a lot of people that work at NASA. They're lovely folks. Gotcha. Yeah. And thank you very much for your question from Tim Pryor says, Nathan complains when kind of interrupted, then totally interrupts. Let's see. Uh, next up. Michael Dresden. Uh, okay, that is we're skipping that one. King 24 says, "Let's see, James, please ban me from your channel." Uh, let's see. Okay, gotcha. Skylar Fiction is in the house. He says, "Maddie is amazing. Her patience is incredible." Raven Zero says, "James, I know you. Let's see, brought Nathan, but come on." Okay, and then Magellan looking for more serious questions. Appreciate it, folks. Says, uh, say basically they had said, but his behavior is unacceptable. And uh, let's see. Thanks for your modern date debate. Thank you for your kind words. And Magellan says, Nathan, you are shockingly unaware of how reality works. Philly Evie says, can we ask Nathan why he consistently, um, let's see, uh, breaks the ninth commandment even though he follows Let's see. What was the uh, ninth commandment? I can't remember. Okay. Ah, bearing false witness. Gotcha. Next up, Dick Warlock says, "Did you bring your dog to this fight, Nathan?" Let's see. Um, it's uh, <laughs> okay. Something about wits. It. We have. We were looking for more serious questions. Jay says, 
Let's see. Uh, can you shut down Nathan? Um, we did uh, make sure that Natty was able to talk and Natty seated at the end. So Truth Nerds, by seated, I mean like was ready to go into Q&A. We, Truth Nerds said the Saros, is it Saros or, or Saros? Cycle is a, r- a rational approximation for aligning synodic and draconic month. The inax cycle, e.g., is more accurate. The heliocentric model explains these cycles precisely. Flat Earth doesn't at all. They developed those cycles before they even knew Earth was a globe. And you don't even have a three-body equation for mass, so you can't pretend that you're calculating for all these different bodies, mass, gravity, bending space-time, and then saying where everything's going to be in three months or three years. That's a joke. All you did was hijack the Flat Earth model. All the researchers, the Celts, the Phoenicians, Hipparchus, the Mayans, all of them knew how flat earth worked and the sky was a clock and a map. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Magellan says, Nathan, in what ways are predicting eclipses and the weather similar? You're so totally wrong. Yeah, well, she was saying that you can't make predictions all the time perfectly, but we do predict eclipses perfectly. So that's why I brought that up. Wolf von Hinslick, good to see you again, says, Nathan, your quote-unquote container you are asking for is the force of gravity. Please demonstrate a pressure gradient inside a container, you muppet. Well, one, gravity hasn't been proven, and two, gravity's not a physical container, it's a force, and three, at Earth's surface, gravity doesn't keep all the gas down, gas moves in all directions, and at the surface is where gravity's the strongest, so I'm sorry, saying gravity like a muppet just makes you scientifically illiterate. Next up, King O2 forces. Nathan, do you think cold moonli- moonlight might violate the second law of thermodynamics? No, nothing violates the second law, of th- or it wouldn't be a law. Okay. Next up, Tim, oh. Bri- Tim Pryor says fog. Nathan, it's a form of gas. It stays close to the ground. No container. Fog is gas. Isn't that just aqueous particles in the atmosphere? What are you, what are you talking about, bro? What element is fog made up of? Next up, this one coming in from Angel Garay says, Tyson also said that flat earth is wrong, Nathan. Wow, cool story, bro. Sigma Any says, Nathan, why is the... Oh, we, we read that. And then out... Inside the open said Japan and the Pacific Northwest have traded tsunami on several verifiable occasions in the recent past. Does the flat earth map not make this possible? I don't have a map. Never claimed to. I'm not a cartographer. Was Next. That, what was it at? Uh, what was it, Maddie? I was asking who that question was for. I was, uh, but it's, I was, I was going to rant about extra tropical transition of hurricanes, so nobody wants to hear that. Von Hanslich says, Nathan, explain to me why being a veteran in the Army, being artillery, one of the factors I had to calculate is Earth's rotation to get accurate shots while shooting. Well, he's just lying because Daryl Lee was a speaker at Take on the World, and he did artillery for 20 years, and he talked about how if they were one inch out of the, the danger zone where they're like shooting bullets at, they would all have to line up, and they only aimed on an X and a Y axis, never accounted for Coriolis once. Dude, you're just making stuff up. If that means if you accounted for Coriolis every time you shot an artillery, that means every time someone takes a tee shot, they'd have to account for Coriolis. Every time someone shoots a free throw, they would have to account for Coriolis. 
every time an airplane travels somewhere, the earth would rotate under the airplane. We would have drastically different journey times, east to west and west to east, but we don't. So stop making stuff up like a clown. Seriously. Next up, this one coming in from I Have Thoughts, says Nathan, if there wasn't wind at all times, you wouldn't suffocate from your own carbon dioxide in your sleep. Wow. Or they forgive me. They said, Nathan, if there wasn't wind at all times, you would suffocate <laughs> from your own carbon dioxide in your sleep. Sorry about that. I butchered that. That's a cool story. I think they're saying like there's always air movement because if the carbon dioxide just sat in front of your face, you'd keep breathing in over and over and die. Nathan. Yeah, that's a cool story. It's not true. They're just dumb. Uh, Tim Pryor says that's why she said in a fictional scenario, Nathan. I can't no, remember. Sometimes there is no wind outside. Just so you guys know. And actually you can go inside buildings and then there's no wind inside buildings for sure. But so like just to be sure that we're like on the same page in terms of like what wind means, like like air like is it fair to call like loosely speaking, like is wind just like air moving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you get the significance of like if there's like just to be sure that because I, I know that I there must have been there was like a miss point where if you're breathing out carbon dioxide if there were no air movement it would just sit in front of your face right to where you just breathe it back in a a billion times or however many times until you like die it's not how gas works when you pop a balloon the balloon of gas doesn't just sit there in one spot waiting for you to inhale it okay so when you breathe out the gas goes in all directions then you breathe in new air it doesn't matter that when you're sitting in a car there's no wind around you so i'm not about to pass out from my own carbon dioxide that guy's just a dumb globehead. Next up, Nathan, want to remind you to play nice with others. Tim Pryor says, that's what, oh, we got that. Philly EV, thanks for your question, said, hey, Nathan, what's an electromagnetic wake? Since you wouldn't answer when she asked you to explain it, sorry if someone else asked this first. Electromagnetic wake, Nathan, is what they're asking for you to define. Yeah, so... You know, I really don't care to, like, explain everything to you guys. Go look it up, bro. Go use – Google's your friend, bro. To be okay. fair to the question asker, like, uh, it's, you know, it's like a it's a genuine – like, it's a, there is, it's a sincere question. Yeah, I know. It's just a sincere answer, okay? Go do your own research, bro. Let's see. This one coming in from Kango24 says uh, – Nathan, what is an electromagnetic wake, and how does it pertain to hurricanes? Please give a detailed answer and how it predicts the direction of a hurricane, the direction that a hurricane would move in. Nah. Okay. Andrea Blazhev says, fight the flat earth is the vaccine. Uh, Let's see. Vando XD says the earth is spinning. So when the drone is flown, it is moving 1000 miles per hour along with the earth. It needs a strong horizontal counterforce to slow its speed. <laughs> what force would that be in a house? I think that's a question for me. And I think the question is if the drone is moving with the earth, then 
if we're inside the house, doesn't why doesn't it just shoot in the opposite direction at a thousand miles an hour? I think that might be it. That's my best guess now that you've elucidated it. Um, okay. Um, uh, the, the short answer there's just going to be friction. Um, and it, it's, it's in a fluid that is moving with the earth. Even if you step into the house, you're still in the air, which is still a fluid that's still rotating. Um, that's, that's my short answer. Gotcha. And thank you very much for this question coming in from Magellan says, Nathan, electromagnetic wakes are relevant to experiments involving plasma and, quote, relativistic electron beams. Nothing to do with the topic. Cool story, bro. Na Nathan, are you... Mark Reed says, Nathan, what experiments have you performed to test the electromagnetic wake you proposed and how have they been falsifiable? I never said I did. Next up, Top Hot 2 says, Great job, Maddie, stepping in on such short notice. Nathan, could you please explain what an electromagnetic wake is and how it creates hurricanes? It doesn't create the hurricane. It just explains why they rotate in opposite directions. Magellan says, As a certified celestial navigator, I can tell you that the calculations involve spherical trigonometry. The Earth is a globe. Cool story, bro. Nathan, uh, Esteban Ilbaca, good to see you, says, Nathan, do the drone experiment in a building. Just don't let it track the floor or use GPS. That's why we use pendulums. Nathan. That wasn't a question, James. It's just globe zealots telling Next up, me truth nerds. Well, we can, you can, like, attack it and try to dissect it, Nathan. I'd rather not. I'd rather get going. Hey, can you prove me to join the Zoom on my phone so I can get going, bro? I'm done with this Wi-Fi spot. These guys are boring, bro. Um, yes. Next up, cool, this one coming in from Truth Nerd says, How many GPS towers were in Iraq during Desert Storm when it was first used in a military conflict? If you understand GPS, you know Flat Earth is nonsense. Nathan. That wasn't even a question, bro. So ask questions or let's just keep moving. Keep it pushing, bro. Nathan. They, I think, no, they did. It was. They said how many GPS towers were in Iraq during Desert Storm I don't know. when it was first used in military conflict. I don't know. Google it, bro. Google's your friend. Nathan, you're being sassy. Let's see. They had said... If you so they're saying basically that GPS does work is their point, Nathan. I'm not sure what you're up to over there. I can only see your uh, sun guard thing. But next up, Philly EV says, Maddie, you did amazing. You kept your cool cool when they were constantly talked when you were constantly talked down to and bullied, and is uh, and bullied is incredible. It's sad that let's see. Um, Oh, okay. They say it's sad that talking down to a debater is okay, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Wild West up here. I mean, like, speakers know that. Maddie knew that. She's a big girl. Uh, I think, she, I mean, let me give you your kudos from Philly first. But I, uh, long story short, Will Stewart, THFC Rant says, Nathan, if you want to know the truth, why not just ask Elon Musk? He is a non-government source. Nathan? 
Yeah, Elon gets $4 billion a year from NASA. So what the hell are you talking about? Next up, Truth Nerds. Well, let's see. B-Ball for Life says, Nathan, if the air pressure is supposed to expand to the available space, why doesn't it expand to the... Nathan? Let me check if he's still here. Uh, says, let's see. If the air pressure is supposed to expand to the available space, why doesn't it expand to the top of Mount Everest? Nathan may have left the building, folks. This is unexpected. I did not think that was going to happen. He may, it may be an accident. So it may not have been a rage quit. He may be coming back. Let's just give him a moment and we'll see. And in the meantime, what we will do is I want to remind you folks that our guests are linked in the description. You can find their links down below. We highly encourage you to check out their links. We really appreciate both Maddie and Every guest that we have come on the show, including flat earthers such as Nathan. If you're a flat earther, want to welcome you to Modern Day Debate. If you're a globe earther, we want to welcome you to Modern Day Debate as we're a neutral platform welcoming everybody. And so next question. Let me see if I can find more for you, Maddie, while we wait for Nathan to return. And let's see. Otherwise, um, I hate to say it because Nathan's not here to answer them, but I, I would have to read the questions. Well, he's back. Okay, he is uh, returned. Let's see. <laughs> Had me go in there. I thought I thought Nathan might have uh, might have left the building. And so, wait, did he come back? Where? Nathan, can you hear me? I see you are in the Zoom call, Nathan. Nathan, we have many more questions. Nathan, next up. Question for Maddie. Thank you very much for this question coming in from Brian Cornell for Maddie. He says, Maddie, how does a rail gun take out another ship 100 miles away if it is a direct line of sight weapon? In other words, no curvature accounted for. Okay, sorry. My internet got a little unstable there for a second, but um, how does, so a specific type of weapon that doesn't need to account for curvature? Correct. The ray gun. Um, I think that was the question. Yes. Um, cool. Um, I, mm, I've shot weapons like twice in my life. Um, so I don't have a strict answer for that. Um, sorry, James, can you read that question again? I didn't, my internet I can. messed up right as you asked it. And Nathan has returned. He is here. Thank you for coming back, Nathan. And um, that isn't, I think, are you, is that your way of asking me to, okay, I'm letting you in via your phone. And this question was from Brian asking Maddie, how does a ray gun take out another ship a hundred miles away if it is a direct line of sight weapon? Okay. I think he's asking about rail guns. That would be... Uh, I, I think he's basically asking, how does a rail a ray a, a rail gun accurately fire at a ship a hundred miles away without accounting for curvature? My gut there says it doesn't. Um, I would. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not an artillery person. I would need to uh, look at like the specs of that weapon. Um, so I'm gonna. Uh, 
I, I I'm gonna give the bad, you know, <laughs> the 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 my my best answer, which is I, I don't know right now. Gotcha. Liliaro says, "Thank you, Maddie, for not being as uh, interruptive as uh, Nathan." Thy messenger says, "Maddie, why are you okay with NASA faking space and wearing wire harnesses?" Um, I I'm not definitely been to the moon. I've, I've, I've chatted with folks who have been there. Um, and I got to work with a lot of people that worked on those missions, got to hear stories about how we get moon rocks back. I've looked at moon rocks. They're fundamentally different than earth rocks. Um, they're, they're very cool. Gotcha. And Nathan, can you hear me? I have a question for you. Nathan, I have a question. Okay. Oh yeah, I can hear you. Tim Pryor says, Nathan, Fog is a form of gas. Please look it up. Nathan. Okay, cool. Next up, let's see. This one coming in from Anthony Dickinson says, Nice victory, Nathan. Much love to you, brother. You've got a fan out there as well, Nathan. And then this one coming in from b-ball for life i think this is maybe when we lost you nathan said nathan if the air pressure is supposed to expand to the available space why doesn't it expand to the top of mount everest it does there is air at the top of mount everest what the hell are you talking about dude (laughs) wow next up ben miller says nate please explain how light slash increase in energy produces coldness which is a decrease in energy yeah, well, that's the thing about the moon is the light from the moon is cold, and you just assumed all light is hot. So, no, moonlight's cold. Gotcha. And this one coming in from Itchik Hunt. Thanks for your super sticker. Says, next up, Witsit gets its RV. Let's see. Okay. Oh, please explain thermodynamics. That's... Please, no. <laughs> Uh, I, I've got a short answer. Sure. Um, it's a kind of a terrible joke. No. Um, so the, the basics of thermodynamics, there's three laws. Um, it's you can't win, you can't break even, you can't stop playing the game. So energy cannot be created or destroyed. Um, if you're building an engine, um, you cannot build a 100% efficient engine. Um, and the third one's kind of more complicated, but like you can't not play, right? You can't uh, uh, not in... Uh, I don't have a short answer. My analogy breaks down with that one, but the first two are usually what's quoted. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Sigma. Any, he has a follow-up to his original question. His original question was why is the Arctic cord correction required to yield an accurate closed planar traverse from precise spatial measurements, Nathan? Why do the basic computations otherwise fail without it? And then their follow-up question was Nathan, you already know this, but for the audience, my previous question applies to optical measurement tools, not GPS. Simple mistake, though. Thanks for that clarifi- clarification, Sigma Any. Yep, that was a big in the question fallacy. I think he was actually, he or she, I think they were just trying to clarify their question. Next, yep. thank you very much for your, let's see, I think I may have missed one. So forgive me one second while I make sure I um, have not missed this. This one coming in from Ben Miller says, oh, we got that. 
And then, thanks for your question. Isaiah 40.22 says, Maddie, uh, do you realize this is indoctrination rather than scientific proof that you are speaking about? What are your thoughts, Maddie, in terms of whether or not this is indoctrination? Um, I mean, it's not <laughs> indoctrination. Um, just because there's a preponderance of evidence that supports a single claim, and then that claim is, is what is broadly taught, great. Uh, it doesn't make it indoctrination if it's if it's like true and verifiable. And I, I can't stress how many things break if it's not, right? How many things that we rely on. Gotcha. And Sigma Any says, Nathan, or I'm sorry, Tim Pryor says, Nathan, not paying attention. Yes, Nathan, nobody believed that the earth was flat. That was regards to their earlier statement on nobody believing the earth was flat since 300 BC or so. Nathan? Believe, 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 believe. You sound like a religious fundamentalist, bro. Believe, believe, believe. Next up, Ben Miller says, Nate, I can make crepuscular rays with a laser in a lab over scaled distance. A local sun is not required. As close as close to parallel light rays as possible is. Cool story, bro. Nathan, are you paying attention? Did you hear that? Yes, cool story, bro. It wasn't a question. He's just saying he can duplicate corpuscular rays, which is a laser, which was my point exactly. You need a small localized light source, obstruction, and particulates. It's like these people don't have a brain, and then they want to talk to me. I, I don't, I'm not interested in talking to you guys. Gotcha. Lily R.O., thanks for your kind words, says uh, Miss Modern Day Debate. Miss James, thank you for your kind. Uh, that really does mean a lot, Lily. And said, Nathan, why is it harder to breathe at higher altitudes? Yeah, because there's less air up there. And then asked, why is it hard to believe the atmosphere between the Earth and space exists? Well, space is fake. That's why they're faking it with wires, green screen, harnesses, hairspray, augmented reality, and parabolic planes. Gotcha. Let's see. Now, Pinion says, so impressed by Maddie in this debate and how she kept her cool. I hope she's not discouraged to talk to flat earthers from this experience not discouraged had a good time next up night wolf seven nine or nine seven two says nathan if the earth is flat why can't people in australia see the constellation the big dipper because it's on the other part of the flat earth the same reason we have night and day is because you can't see the entire sky at any given time from any given place gotcha and tapioca weasel says in my lab i trap so this is a long one I trap a dilute gas of ultra-cold atoms at the focus of a laser beam within a vacuum chamber. The atoms at the focus are way higher pressure than the background at less than 10 to the negative 11 tor. There's no object made of atoms, which stops the atoms in my gas from dispersing. They're confined due to optical forces. This is... This is gas contained without a container, analogous to how gravitational forces confine atmospheres. Cool story, bro. Okay, Anything? I know that wasn't for me, but that's such a cool experiment. That's not an experiment. Why not? You still don't you still don't know what an experiment is. You need a naturally occurring observation, and then you test the naturally occurring observation with your hypothesis, which is an 
experiment. Okay? That is the experiment. So if you don't have a naturally occurring phenomenon that you formulate a hypothesis about, hmm, I wonder what the cause of this effect is, you don't have an experiment. I'm sorry you spent so much money on school and you still don't know what an experiment is. That's sad. Give you a chance to respond if you'd like, Maddie. Yeah, um, I just point out that like, okay, so before we first built a car engine, we would have experimented with like the concept of an internal combustion reaction, right? And how those are, how can we do that safely, right? So there's lots of experimentation there, um, and there's no, no. That's called engineering. Nathan, we've that's got a letter. Time. We've got a letter finished, Nathan. It's called engineering. Nathan, we got a letter finish. Yeah, sure, but she's wrong. There's no naturally occurring internal combustion engines, and yet we can build and design them. So this idea that a phenomena has to be naturally occurring, or we have to be able to like observe it now in nature, is just that. That's just it's just it's flawed. It's a it's a flawed premise. Next up, truth you think nerds. building an engine? Wait, James. She thinks building an engine is science. Hello, Maddie. You think building an engine is science? Next up, next up, truth, truth nerds. Truth nerd says we don't have a closed formula for the three-body problem. Neither do we have for the circumference of an ellipse. Does this mean ellipses are fake? No, it just means that you don't have a three-body equation for mass, and that you can't predict anything on the heliocentric model. Congratulations! What a dumb question. <laughs> wow. Next up, two seconds, just boomer tech over here. But do want to remind you folks, our guests are linked in the description. And that includes if you are listening to us via podcast, we're on all major podcasts. And so hopefully that's useful to you folks if you have long drives or like mm -hmm. listening to it on the commute or while cleaning, whatever it is. If you are listening via podcast, you can find our guest links there too. And thanks so much. This one coming in from... Brian, let's see. Cider and Port says, how does Nathan account for the time zones on a flat earth? It's currently 1.35 in the morning as I type this, which isn't the same in the U.S. right now. Please don't dodge this. No, that's very simple. The sun circles around polar center. So when it's high noon over a certain area, it's not high noon over other areas. They have different times. Gotcha. Super simple. Yeah. Gotcha. Ben Miller says, Nate, the Saros cycle is only accurate to plus or minus 36 hours, and that an eclipse will happen. Heliocentric globe model is why we can predict within the hour and where the shadow's path will cross the Earth. Yeah, maybe that guy wasn't listening, but they don't have a three-body equation for mass. They don't predict anything. They just hijack flat Earth researchers. So you, you got to go rewind like 10 minutes and then go back to the beginning of the debate. We talked about it then. But like, catch up, bro. Come on. Tim Pryor says, haha, says Google is your friend, continues to get information off YouTube, explains why he still doesn't understand the Coriolis. Nathan, do you understand the Coriolis? Nathan. Nathan. I do all my own tests. Very simply, guys. Coriolis, as stated by Neil Tyson, is the Earth rotating under object. Yeah, I'm here. What, did I get muted or something? Hello? You're, we can hear James, you. James, can you hear me? We can hear you. Did I hit a dead zone? 
We can hear yeah, you. Yeah, Now we can't hear you. It's now it's Earth not. Earth doesn't move under objects as okay. my. I'm in my time to go. Connell X Silverfur says, "What is an electromagnetic wake, Nathan?" Google's your friend, bro. Long nights, YouTube, and says, "What's up, James? How's it going, man?" Thank you for being with us, my friend. Uh, it's going well. It says, rough debate. Nate, if the Earth is flat, how come the other planets, the sun, moon, and stars, are not? Or are they, Nathan? Well, Earth's not planets are wandering stars first, because Earth's not a planet. Nathan, bro, we can't hear you, man. Nathan? I don't know if you can hear me. Um, sorry. Can you, okay, can you say that again? We lost you. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, Earth's not a planet, so that's why planets are round. Gotcha. Nerd. Magellan says, rest in peace, Nathan. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, the Logical Hillbilly says, just say you made up electron electromagnetic wake. It's not like we can think. Okay, gotcha. Nathan, did you make this up? Nathan? I gotta go, James. Nathan. Are there any more serious questions? Because I gotta go. Yeah, we do. This one comes in from Sigma Any says This one, well, we've got one he's got one for Maddie, but I've got another one for you, Nathan, which is EndoXD says my question was for Nathan. He says the drone should move as the earth moves under it, but it needs a force. Can you please re-ask it? And that question for you, Nathan, is this. They said the Earth is spinning. So when the drone is flown, it is moving at 1,000 miles an hour along with the Earth. It needs a strong horizontal counterforce to slow its speed. What force would that be in a house? You're just begging the question, assuming that it's going 1,000 miles an hour. It's not. The Earth's not rotating. Next up, Antonio, and let's see, uh, looking for serious questions. Thanks for your super sticker, Lyndon. And uh, this one coming in for Maddie. Sorry, my dog is lying on an iron, and he just managed to turn it on. <laughs> trying to... Okay, it's no fixed. worries. Totally <laughs> it's okay. fine. And uh, Sigma says his original super chat was for Maddie, okay. and. Let me read that again. So that was Maddie. They said, why is the Arcticord correction required to yield an accurate closed planar traverse from precise spatial measurements? Why do the basic computations otherwise fail without it? Okay, so I'm not, uh, there's some technical language in there that I'm not 100% familiar with precisely what they're asking. I think we're asking about curvature of the Earth stuff. Um, and so the, the number that was thrown out a lot tonight is it's an approximation. It's not exactly right. You have to take into account like the angular distance. Um, and, and so my short answer to his question there is angles. Um, yeah, you have to you have to account for the angular distance because the distance of the, the arc length isn't exactly the same as the, the chord distance. So you need the you need the arc length. Gotcha. And That's Anthony Dickinson says, Maddie, how do you explain that the Earth 
was revolving around was revolving around for the first three days of creation. How do I, so how do I explain? Okay. Hi. So, um, I, I don't think that the, the Bible is literally true. Um, so if we're talking about, I think that's, that's my answer. That's my answer to that. Gotcha. And it literally is. Gotcha. Next up, we are going to go to the next one. This one coming in from Brian Witt says, Nathan, if you drive a convertible at 60 miles an hour with a 60 mile per hour tailwind and throw a ball up in the air, which direction will it go? Yeah, if you don't drive a car and you don't have a tailwind, you throw a ball up in the air. What direction does the ball go? Dude, you guys are so goofy. That argument works on both models. You haven't figured that out yet, guys? We've been doing this five years. It's pathetic, dude. Logical Hillbilly said, just so everyone knows, cool story, bro, means, wow, that completely went over my head. Nathan, is that true? Cool story, bro. Next up, Gabriel Cases. Good job moderating, James. Thank you. I will take that. For all you haters out there, just keep on hating. Keep drinking your haterade. Magellan says, Nathan, how does the direction of the moon change as you drive from one parking lot to the next parking lot for sleeping? What? Okay, they said, how does the direction of the moon change? James, it's not a real question, bro. Next question. And if you read another one like that, bro, I'll just leave. I got better things to do. I've been here for two hours, bro. Calm down. Calm I've been down. here for two hours. Nathan, come okay? on. Work with I me. I already asked you. You called Maddie a bookworm. I already asked you at the beginning of it, James. I don't give a shit. Okay. She is a bookworm. She doesn't test anything. Nathan, she doesn't know, she doesn't know anything say. about the All right, world. next question. Truth Nerd so, says, Nathan, they said, we can predict the three-body... Why are you laying? Okay, never mind. They say we can predict the three body systems behavior using numerical integration just fine. I studied numerics and higher math at university. What's your qualification? I tested Earth for five years myself, and it's flat. So that's a cool story. You went to school, bro. Next up, cool Tim Pryor says, Nathan, talking about catching up, flat earthers claim ships disappear bottom First, because of perspective. Now, because we prove them wrong about zooming in, keep up with your buddies. They do disappear bottom first because of perspective. But the thing is, if you get a different aperture, like a telescope or a high-power zoom camera, voila, you can see it again, Einstein. Do these people like pay attention to anything, bro? Do they like even listen to anything? I don't get it. I don't get it juicy to say the least and we want to say thank you everybody it is true the speakers have been here for a while and yeah will wait will stewart thfc rants this is one that came up before and i missed the question i i think i missed who it was from so i'll on behalf of them and will will says nathan where in the bible does it literally say it is flat and i think will wants a piece of you nathan yeah, a lot of Globers are obsessed with me while taking me on dates. I don't really care about all that. I don't date Globeheads. But uh, in the Bible, uh, you know, it's pretty hard to find. Just go to the first chapter in the first book and go to the first verse. In the beginning, the Creator created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. 
And darkness moved over the waters, and or darkness moved over the deep, and the spirit of Yah moved over the face of the waters. So large bodies of waters have a face, a surface, and the surface is flat, measurably flat. I've tested it for five years. Sorry, you want a piece of me? Keep dreaming. Gotcha. And want to say thank you, everybody, for being with us. Also want to let you know our guests are linked in the description, folks. We want to let you know we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you come from, folks. We are a nonpartisan platform, and we do appreciate you hanging out with us. It's always fun. I'll be back with a post-credit scene in just a moment. If you enjoyed this debate, hit that like. Or if you were triggered and angry by this debate, hit that dislike button. Have at it. And Tim Pryor has one last question. He said, no, you can't zoom in, Nathan tried it that's a lie once the bottom's gone there's no zooming in it back in namely there's no zooming in to see the bottom again yeah okay all right cool story bro yeah you're right my bad i thought it did gotcha and juicy well thank you very much folks as mentioned our guests are linked in the description we do appreciate you all being here and yes as i had mentioned folks hit that like or dislike on the way out depending on how pleased or displeased you were and also want to let you know thanks everybody we want to let you know let's see want to let you know folks we appreciate all of your huge support we'll be back with a post-credit scene in just a moment and so stick around for some upcoming debates that I will share with you. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable and be right back. Thanks again, Maddie. I think Nathan has left. Thanks, James. Be right back, folks. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save